1: It ain't the left side, or the right side, and it must be the fin side, it ain't the left side. Thank
0: you, Solody. Welcome to another right episode side. of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, and on iHeartRadio. Paul and I have recharged the batteries. We've taken a little bit of a hiatus here after the NFL draft. We've had some personal stuff, moves. Uh, Just a lot of different things. Uh, We've improved the sound quality as well. And we are ready for the Miami Dolphins season as we approach training camp. It's still kind of that dead time right now. But we are talking about a few different training camp battles that really stick out for us. Roster spots are going to be a little bit harder to come by this year because the Dolphins team is a little bit deeper, especially at some positions like wide receiver, defensive end, offensive line, really across the board. Some obvious battles getting a lot of attention right now that will bleed into training camp are ones that we've talked about to death because what else are we going to do with the Dolphins in the summer? Minka Fitzpatrick and T.J. McDonald at free safety. It may not matter who wins that position because the Dolphins are expected to play a lot of three safety looks. Sam Linebacker, you're going to have Stefan Anthony and Jerome Baker, but that's going to be a little bit scheme dependent. Baker is probably going to play a little bit more. When it's a pass down, Stephon Anthony a little more when it's a rundown. D-tackle, you got Jordan Phillips, Davin Gotcha, Akeem Spence will be in a heavy three-man rotation. William Hayes may fig- figure into the mix there, too. So Phillips could start at D-tackle, but get the fewest snaps. It could work out that way. Quarterback, I think we're all in agreement that Dolphins are pretty much screwed if Ryan Tannehill goes down again. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But Paul and I are going to talk about three different positional battles here that really stick out for us in training camp as we lead up in the upcoming weeks to the 53-man roster. So, Paul, what is the number three on your list as far as battles you're looking for here in training camp for the Dolphins?
1: I think the corner battle is going to be really exciting to watch. I mean, we're getting Tony Lippett back. And he's a guy that really stood out before his injury two years ago. Uh, On top of that, you have Xavier Howard, who the light finally flipped on for at the end of last year and was playing as good as anybody in football. But then you've got Cordray Tankersley, who looked really good last year when he had his chance, even though he was up and down. They're talking about potentially bumping Bobby McCain to the boundary, which could get interesting. And I know anybody that's listened to our draft coverage knows I'm really, really high on Cornell Armstrong. A guy I didn't even know leading up to the draft process, which I will admit because he was from a small school somewhere. But the more you watch this kid, he's a very vocal leader. He's always around the football, not just in the passing game, but on on rundowns too. And he's really exciting to watch. So if you see Bobby flip out to the outside, Lippitt's not really a guy that can slide inside. Xavier's probably got the other corner spot locked down. And then you might have Cornell Armstrong be the most natural fit at that nickel spot unless they're sliding Minka over. So there's a lot to watch with these guys out there in the secondary, and there's a lot of good, talented young depth, even if there's not really a veteran presence back there like we saw last year.
0: Yeah, it looks like the major battle there is going to be between Bobby McCain and Cordray Tankersley. For that number two spot in base defense opposite Xavier Howard kind of reminds me of a couple of years ago when, not a couple of years ago, about 20 years ago now, when Patrick Sertain came, came in the league playing opposite Sam Madison. And when Sertain won that number two job, they would kick Terrell Buckley into the slot. I, I see that same thing happening there. Who, who do you see, Paul, as the number two cornerback in base defense? Do you think McCain or do you think Tankersley is going to win that job?
1: Honestly, I think there's a decent shot. It actually comes down to either McCain or Lippitt. But for me, I'm going to lean towards Lippitt if he can be half the player he was at the end of the year before he got hurt. I, I'm really excited about this kid. He had a lot of length, high-pointed a lot of balls, and, and, and really could turn this into a secondary that creates a lot of turnovers, which I'm excited to see here.
0: Now, and as far as the the cornerback opposite Xavier Howard, do you think Tankersley figures into that mix, or, or do you think it's going to be Lippitt and McCain?
1: Tankersley's going to figure into that mix, but he's also a little more of a fit, too, to fight for that nickel spot if needed with uh, McCain and with Armstrong. So Lippitt's pretty much exclusively a boundary corner. So he's feast or famine as to whether or not he either starts on the boundary or he doesn't start. But I think the other three are probably going to battle it out for the inside based on who wins the outside job.
0: I've got Tankersley clearly winning that number two job, opposite Xavier Howard, and McCain being that slot guy, and then Lippett being the fourth, and then Cornell Armstrong being the fifth. Anyway, so we we start our year on a disagreement. That That's totally fine. perfect. <laughs> My number three battle I'm really looking at is – the really the backup offensive line spots because it's pretty clear that seven Dolphins are going to, are going to make the roster on the offensive line. You're going to have Laramie Tunzel at left tackle, Josh sitting at left guard, Dan Kilgore at center, and a right guard probably Jesse Davis beats out Ted Larson at right tackle. You got Juwan James, and then as the swingmen you've got Sam Young and. Ted Larson, who can conceivably cover all five of those offensive line positions. So that leaves really three players battling for the final offensive line spots. You've got center Jake Brendel, offensive tackle Eric Smith, and guard Isaac Asiata. All three of these guys made the team last year. Brendel got in in a couple games. It seems like Brendel plays well every time he got in for Mike Pouncey. Isaac Asiata was a complete wash in his first year, only dressed for one game. Eric Smith really looked the part as a right tackle until he got hurt this year. But what I like about it is that these three players and everybody else along the offensive line, you know, below them, are really in a battle against themselves because the Dolphins don't conceivably need to keep more than say eight offensive linemen. So it's going to be an interesting battle. I hope that an Isaac Asiata comes back and plays better this year. Maybe is that heir apparent to Josh Sitton at the left guard spot? Paul, who's your uh, what's your number two battle in training camp that you're keeping an eye on?
1: Well, just looking back at, at, at yours, I just want to talk about that for a really quick second. I do see Eric Smith making this final roster. I do see Jake Brendel making this final roster. And Isaac Asiata is going to have to play his butt off in the preseason because as cut down day comes, there's always an influx of offensive linemen out there on the market. And that final offensive line spot is always a ridiculously fluid one. So there is a very good chance that he really has to play his tail off to be able to make this roster, especially since he's going to be battling it out against people that can play tackle a little bit more than he can and be that swing tackle in case Juwan James goes down in case Laramie Tunsil goes down. So yeah, Asiata is going to be facing an uphill battle. So I'm glad you brought that up for me, the number two battle that's going to be intriguing to watch. And it's a really pleasant problem to have. I never thought I'd be saying this in in an off season where Miami got rid of Jarvis Landry, but their receiver room is ridiculously deep right now, and it's going to be interesting to see not only who gets the starting gigs, and we'll, we'll say three starting wide receivers here just for a yuck. You know Kenny Stills is going to be one. Jakeem Grant appears to be a front runner right now. Albert Wilson appears to be a front runner right now. But then you've got Devontae Parker and Danny Amendola, who are going to be pushing for time you would hope. On top of that, Isaiah Ford's coming back from injury, and he was actually an exciting kid out of Virginia Tech that I know we both really liked before he went down with an injury in camp. So there are going to be a lot of talented players vying for five, maybe six roster spots, and you've also got some tight ends that may kick out there, which I know we'll be talking about in a little bit. But I'm very intrigued to see what Miami does as far as the starters. We may see different starters at wide receiver every week, depending on the package and what they want to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, Kenny Stills, I'd be surprised. If all five of these receivers played all 16 games, I would see Kenny Stills getting the most snaps. And then Mm -hmm. you can shuffle up two through four, you know, Parker, Amendola, and Albert Wilson. And... It really depends. I think they're going to go with their flavor at that time. Jakeem Grant, I hope he gets a lot of action here. But I also don't think it's a bad idea either if Grant is your kick returner and your punt returner. And he's also one of those guys you put on the field for 8 to 10 snaps a game to just really scare the shit out of the defense. So there's a lot of versatility here. The big thing with the wide receivers, and I wasn't a huge fan of of giving so much money to Amendola and Albert Wilson. I I thought the money could have been spent better elsewhere. But it, they better – Adam Gase's plan and their, and uh, Loggins' plan and, and Clyde Christensen's – their plan had better be to interweave this receiver room based on the packages so you're constantly playing with the defense. That could lead to a lot of problems. It could lead to a lot of creativity. We'll have to see on that. But, yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. a receiver, Leontay Carew against Isaiah Ford – that might be an interesting battle and you've also got players like Drew Morgan too that are that are looking in the mix there too. So, my number 2 is going to be the kicker spot. You know, and Ooh. it's it looks right now like it's going to be between two rookies, Jason Sanders, the 7th round pick, and undrafted free agent Greg Joseph. Sanders was a little bit of a surprise. He was only 10 for 15 in his final year in college. He was hand picked by Darren Rizzi. Darren Rizzi a really went into a lot of detail about how he feels that if you get a kicker like Jason Sanders with this strong leg, if you show him some technique and correct a couple of fundamentals, you can't teach the leg strength, but you can teach the fundamentals. On June 5th, on the final day the Dolphins met, Jason Sanders was 7 for 7, and according to Barry Jackson, had a long field goal of 56 yards, too. So it's definitely showing the potential. We'll see a little bit more out of Greg Joseph, too, as uh, training camp wears on. I'm not happy the Dolphins didn't bring back Cody Parkey. Uh, you know, they Bears signed him for a lot of money, but I thought he was very, very good last year. Then again, the Dolphins did sign Parkey after he was cut by the Browns last year after they drafted Zane Gonzalez in the seventh round. Could be a similar situation this year. If Sanders and Joseph both struggle, keep an eye on Kai Forbath from the Vikings. The the Vikings drafted Dan Carlson in the fifth round out of Auburn. Forbath is uh, an above-average kicker, and I could definitely see him on the free agent market as they go with the rookie there in Minnesota. Another name to keep an eye on, former second-round pick. Roberto Aguayo is now battling former Dolphin Caleb Sturgis with the San Diego or the Los Angeles, excuse me, Chargers. If Aguayo and Sturgis both do well in preseason, it may be showing signs that Aguayo has settled down a little bit after being drafted so high. Sturgis could still win that job, and then Aguayo would would be out there on the street. But the kicker position, it's one of those spots too where. It, you know, either either you put the ball through the uprights or not. I mean, in practice, in a preseason game, you, you're either doing that on a consistent basis or there's a problem. So I, I do see Jason Sanders overall winning that spot, but it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if they brought in another Cody Parkey-like player here as a veteran.
1: Man, it's our first show back, and we just spent how much time talking about kickers?
0: Man. That's right. <laughs> Hey, I tell you what. If Dolphins Dolphins probably would have been picking the top five last year, for, if it wasn't for Cody Parkey,
1: this which might true. have
0: actually turned out to be a good thing.
1: Ah, eh, we still we'll got see. Minka for less money, so we're, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not going to complain about that. I'm pretty sure Minka would have been the pick where almost wherever. We're. Yeah, uh, but here, here's here's the good me, thing
0: is now we got the oh, kicker out of the way. We don't have to talk about it for the next several podcasts. Thank God. So uh, yes, I've, I've given my two cents, on that'll be an interesting battle there. In preseason, so Paul, what's the number two battle you're looking at?
1: Oh uh, the number one battle I'm looking at. Number is one battle, the the tight end position. I'm so freaking excited about the tight end position. Uh, I like Marquise Gray. He's going to be fighting to get on the field at times, but I think he'll be in, in some situational packages like we saw Gase using with Tannehill a couple of years ago. But I'm really, really really excited about the one-two punch that Miami took in the first four rounds of of, of Gaseki and of Durham Smythe. And I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but it'll be really interesting. I think we'll see more explosive plays out of Gesecki, which I'm okay with because that's his skill set. But I think we're going to see Durham Smythe get a lot more snaps than a lot of people think he is in terms of, as you pointed out, the fact that everybody was surprised by his receiving talent uh, during, uh, I believe it was Senior Bowl week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, you look at Notre Dame's passing offense last year and they would have been just as good with me at quarterback as they were last year. That's how bad their quarterback play was. So he's already one of the best blocking tight ends. So he may see more snaps out of the gate than, than we see from Gasicki. But that's a good thing because he's going to be able to block but also slip out into the flat, slip over the middle, and do some sneaky good things. And I know this is a comparison I've used before, but he's like a more athletic Anthony Fasano. So it should be very, very interesting to see how these snaps get divvied out amongst the three of them as as we move through camp, as we move through the preseason, and once the season hits.
0: Yeah, a lot of interesting battles in that tight end group because there's an understanding or just a foregone conclusion Gasecki is going to be the starting tight end. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, he's still very athletic but very thin, and it's going to be hard for him to adjust to being a blocker. So who knows where those snaps get divvied up. A.J. Derby versus Marquise Gray is going to be an interesting battle for that third spot. I, too, like Marquise Gray, and it's not out of the realm of possibility Gray is the Dolphins starting tight end week one because he does have the ability to block, and he is the most experienced guy in the Dolphins roster at that tight end spot. My number one position is going to be the third defensive end spot between Charles Harris and Andre Branch. I know William Hayes also figures into the mix, but Andre Branch signed a a three-year, $24 million extension before 2017 which makes me throw up, but he and he'll make $10 million this year, which makes me throw up even more. But I really do think Charles Harris needs to beat out Andre Branch and get more snaps than him because even though it seems like you're talking about third and fourth defensive ends, which you are, these are not backups. They, they're going to be rotating a lot with Robert Quinn and with Cameron Wake, and it wouldn't surprise me if Quinn – Harris and Andre Branch and even William Hayes maybe get more snaps than Cameron Wake because we want to keep Cameron Wake fresh for those passing downs here. So looking last year at the snap count between Branch and Harris, Branch averaged a little over 40 snaps a game. Charles Harris had 31 snaps a game. Harris had 496 snaps in 16 games. Branch, 561 snaps in 14 games. That needs to be reversed this year, at least. I mean, Harris, I think, is going to be on the field a lot more. He only had two sacks last year, but he did have a lot of very important pressures, two of which, against the Patriots, led to turnovers. So, Harris uh, going to be 22 this year. And on third down, if you've got a, a fresh Charles Harris coming off the edge, rushing over left tackle in a division where you don't have a lot of good left tackles, that could be a very good resource. But either way, the Dolphins are supposed to really have a good five-man and deep rotation at that defensive end spot.
1: I couldn't agree with you more on that. It's a ridiculously deep position. I I think William Hayes makes the team because of the flexibility he brings, as well as his versatility on rundowns. But, yeah, there's a lot of talent there. So, I mean, everybody's going to be pushing to see the field. And I will say with Andre Branch, I'm very, very hopeful that his issues last year had to do with that knee injury that didn't really get disclosed till after the season was over. So maybe we'll see a return to the Andre branch from the season before, which does bring him in as an asset for the team. Uh, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and going back to the offensive tackles in the Dolphins division, I mean, the Patriots have Isaiah Wynn, a rookie at left tackle, who's supposed to win that job. At right tackle, they've got Marcus Cannon. The Jets have... Kelvin Beecham at left tackle. Brandon Shell at right tackle, who Cameron Wake always gives problems to. The Bills lost Cordy Glenn, their left tackle, in free agency. So at left tackle, they've got second-year player Deion Dawkins, and at right tackle, they've got Jordan Mills, who also routinely gets beat by Cameron Wake. This is where the Dolphins have to win this year, putting pressure on the quarterback and keeping the heat off Tannehill with the new additions in Josh Sitton and Dan Kilgore. Well, Paul, Paul, it's it's great to be back on the air again, and that is going to do it for our recap of the Dolphins training camp battles. Be sure to uh, tune in over the next, gosh, 10 months now. We're going to take you all the way through the draft, and I don't think we're going to have a break next summer either. We're going to keep going really throughout uh, the year so that we can continually give you solid Miami Dolphins talking points and content. Also, be sure to... Check out our merchandise on the Fin side. A lot of proceeds we're going to have going to charity as we continue to build that up. Paul and I are also very excited that we are going to be a featured guest on the Aussie Guys podcast. Uh, Paul, what can you uh, tell our our listeners about the Aussie Guys?
1: There are a bunch of crazy great fans out there in Australia, but they've got the largest NFL podcast in Australia. They're awesome guys. We've been doing this with them for, I don't know, a few years now. Absolute blast every time. I mean, it's a good, long, in-depth look at, at the Dolphins uh, for the off-season. They also do previews of every NFL team, and despite the fact that you know they're a Chargers fan and a Raiders fan, they really do give credit where credit is due. So it's it's, it's always a good time listening to those guys. It's always a good time talking to those guys, and I'm really looking forward to that.
0: As am I, and that will do it for our show. Here you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, and on iHeartRadio. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it
1: must be the fin side. It ain't the left side for the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to
0: do.